Hi everybody, this is SCL, the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast for the 4th of June 2015. Well, it is a boiling hot day here in Gosport in uh, Hampshire on the south coast of the UK. Um, Really, really warm. Um, It's been uh, pretty awful. Uh, Excuse me. It's funny, isn't it? As soon as you start recording a podcast, you want to sneeze straight away. It was really cold over the last couple of days and rainy. And finally, we've got some got some really nice weather and I mean really nice so this morning um, I got up and uh, after I'd done a couple of things did a quick photo walk around uh, Fort Brockhurst the old Victorian fort that's just down the road because I mean I do it, it's really close there's often some interest in wildlife there and you've got the in- interesting shapes of the kind of fort with its moat around it and the and the walkway um, but what I was also trying to do was kind of you know, I do kind of all the YouTube videos and that sort of stuff, but I wanted to try and work on a, on a quicker format for some of the YouTube videos because when I, <laughs> you'll know from listening to the podcast, and if you watch any of the videos, you'll know too, I'm a bit of a rambler when it comes to talking. I'll often waffle on quite a lot before actually getting to the point. I wanted to try and force myself to make shorter form videos where I get to the point pretty quick, you know, and just say a couple of things and then kind of surround it with almost like B-roll footage of me wandering around and, and taking photographs to some sort of, you know, funky music in the background. Anyway, so that's why I did it. But it was a really nice day, really beautiful. So um, there's a pair of swans in the moat at the, moat at the moment that have got um, some new um, signets that are following around. Unfortunately, I don't know whether I got a short clip of video of them with the 600D, but I don't, I haven't had a chance to look at the photographs yet, so I don't know if I've got any nice images of them, um, but kind of related to that as well, if you go over to the YouTube channel, I just search for Scale Speeder, or Rub None YouTube, uh, I did a flower macro video the other day as well, because just before, um, when was my last day off, it was Sunday, um, the weather was atrocious, it was really stormy and blowing everything all over the place, and we've got some nice flowers in the garden, so I thought, right, I want to do some macro shots of those so I wanted to save them before they got blown to blitz bits so I brought in a um a row a couple of roses and uh, a lily to do some macro work on and that worked out quite nice and I've done a little video of that over on uh, over on YouTube and uh, you know to get the macro I did my usual thing of setting up my tripod with my 600d on and then the lens I use my favorite macro lens that I should use a lot more um, when I'm working on a tripod, which is the Soligor M42 zoom, which I think it's something like a 90 to 230, so it doesn't have a massive range, but it is a fixed focal length. Sorry, a fixed um, aperture, it's f4.5, so that the, the front element doesn't move in and out like it does with a normal zoom, so the aperture doesn't get smaller the further you zoom. And that's great when you're working macro, because you put your extension tubes on with your EF converter, and it means the lens doesn't keep creeping out to sort of touch your subject. And it's um, it's not too soft, the lens. You know, it works, works okay. And you can get some nice shots, especially if you convert them to black and white. So that worked um, that worked pretty well, uh, to be honest. And, uh, well, I guess I've been... Um, the reason why I haven't recorded any podcasts for the past few weeks is I've been playing a lot of card advanced warfare. I'm kind of in like Flynn now. That's me, you know, lost every evening. Once I've done all the other jobs, done my videos done my photo editing 10 o'clock cod advanced warfare goes on and i dive into the multiplayer because it is uh, absolutely amazing but i have managed to get out uh, a few times i've what i've been trying to do is go out in the evenings and uh, take some photos 
Um, been down to Sultan's Park to try and take some pictures of the kite surfers. Unfortunately, both times I've been down, the weather hasn't been that good. It's been a little bit overcast. Um, and in the evening, you know, if you're doing kite surfers, they're moving pretty fast. So you need a fast shutter speed. And to get a fast shutter speed in poor light, you need to have a high ISO. So the image quality tends to degrade quite a bit. But hopefully I'll maybe be able to get down there when it's a nice evening, when it's nice and sunny. Maybe even with a sunset behind them so I can get some nice uh, kite surfers because they are very photogenic with them zooming in and around. It's a bit difficult to tell the story about them often because if you've got the, the kite surfer in the sea on his little um, surfy board thing and then, you know, 50 foot up in the air there's his, there's his kite. But, you know, if they get close enough you can get plenty of action with them. And um, I covered at our, uh, one of our Swindon, well, our Swindon store the other week as well. I managed to get out and take some photos just before before work there because I got in a little bit earlier. And uh, the other evening, I managed to get down to Portsmouth Harbour as well. So uh, the Gosport side, that is, and did a quick photo walk around there, taking the usual pictures of the Spinnaker Tower and things like that. In fact, I don't think I've even edited those photos yet. I'll have to check Lightroom. Um, I'm terrible for that. Sometimes I'll take photos. Upload. In fact, I think there's lots, actually. Mentioning it now, in fact, I'm going to look on my computer right now. I'm going to go to the pictures section, and I'm sure I've got a th various, yeah. I don't think I've edited any of these photos. No. <laughs> there's a load on there that I haven't edited. I haven't even gone through and selected my favourites. Anyway, something to do another time when I have a spare half an hour. I've also been reviewing some kit as well, and probably one of the best things was a flash called the Apolite um, YH700C flash, and I believe they do a Canon version and a Nikon version for a DSLRs, um, and it really is an amazing bit of kit, because it's very, very cheap, it's under £70 and $70 in the US, but it does everything you could want it to do, in the fact that it's a fully automatic flash when it's on your camera, if you've got a compatible Canon camera, like a 600D and above, it will uh, do um, wireless automatic flash using Canon's wireless auto flash system. So, you know, the, the camera and the flash will work together to get a correct exposure. You can use it as a manual flash on camera and off camera, um, because it's got the usual two slave modes. You know, the one for um, cameras with automatic flash, like modern DSLRs. So, basically, it fires on the second pop. And it also has the other slave function where it will just fire on the first pop, like with older film cameras. Um, and it worked that way. But it also, and this is the unusual thing, has high-speed sync as well, which means that you can use it above your camera's maximum sync speed. So, for example, with the 600D, the sync speed is, is 250, I think 250th of a second. And if you go above that, you start getting black bars appearing in your photos if you lose the flash. But with the... With the YH700C, you can shoot at 500th of a second, a thousandth of a second, and, a second, and what's happening is the flash is strobing uh, for, for um, a longer period of time. Well, it, when we, you might say, what do you mean a longer period of time? Because it's shorter shutter, shutter speed. What, but what you've got to remember, when the flash fires when you're at 250th of a second, the flash doesn't fire for 250th of a second. The flash fires for uh, you know, a 10,000th of a second. Um, so when you're shooting at 500th of a second, the flash kind of strobes over the period of a 500th of a second. So you get a lot less power, but it's like flashing on and off incredibly fast. So you get an exposure so that you don't get those black bars of the shutter chasing itself 
um, the first and second curtain chasing themselves across the front of your uh, across of your sensor or your, your your piece of film inside your camera, and that means you can really start to control ambient light because generally, when you're uh, working with uh, with with cameras uh, with with flash on them, if you're outside. You, you really come up against this 250 of a second barrier. And the fact that if it's a, even an overcast day, 250, 250th of a second can often be far too slow, especially if you're using wider apertures. So say you're doing a nice portrait of somebody and you want to you know go down to like f2.8, f1.8, f1.4. If you're using flash to, as a bit of a fill or to, as a, to put like highlights in their eyes, you won't be able to shoot, shoot at f2.8 because... At a 250th of a second, um, even at like ISO 100 or even ISO 50, if your camera goes down that far, your picture will be really overexposed. You need to be up at a 500th of a second or a, th a thousandth of a second to control that. And with high-speed sync, you can start to do that. And so what that means as well is, say if you want to um, have dramatic, dark-looking skies, you know, when you underexpose the sky, often it goes blue and dramatic, doesn't it? You can start to see the details and clouds and things can do that by you know you can shoot at a 500th of a second darken the sky and then use the flash to light your subject um, and still have small depth of field um, uh, options also it kind of opens up a whole new or a whole extra box of tricks in terms of creativity and controlling the lighting environment and all a bargain price and okay you know it's it won't have the same build quality or durability of, as the same canon or nikon flashes but for your average amateur like myself, you know, I take care of my kit. You know, the flash stays inside a case. It stays inside my camera bag. I'm not rushing around the Gobi Desert trying to take pictures for National Geographic. So generally, you know, I'm very careful. I don't drop my kit and it doesn't get dirty. So if you're thinking about getting a fully automatic flash, I'd seriously have a look at the Apple Y8700C for Canon because of the fact that it does... Um, support high-speed sync now i also got sent another thing to review from a company called best tech which was their caden brown rucksack and this thing is really cheap it's a canvas rucksack it's on ebay for about 30 pounds about 30 dollars in america and yeah really good let's see if i can see if i can find the um find the model number as well so you can uh, see that let's have a look youtube youtube.com slash user slash scale speeder it is the what about uh, best deck caden btd b03 so it's brava tango delta bravo 03 brown canvas camera bag i've never used a rucksack well no that's a lie years ago when i used to have my um um what was it my fujifilm s5700 camera i used to use a rucksack um kind of because i used to carry other stuff that the, the 5700 was a tiny little bridge camera so you could keep all of it in a really small little bag and i would use an old rucksack to carry my lunch and stuff in at the same time um and yeah it was quite good the, the difference with the best tech one is it comes with a foam shaped compartment for your camera and accessories in the bottom of the rucksack as well um an interesting concept quite a cool looking bag definitely doesn't look like a camera bag you know those black uh, plastic one so that's a really good thing <sighs> practical if you need your camera gear and you need to carry some other stuff with it the disadvantage is the fact that your camera stuff is at the bottom 
of the rucksack and you have your other stuff on top. Um, but what you can't deny is that it's amazing value for money at about 30 quid. And so if you need a camera bag that doesn't look like a camera bag and is nice, nice and comfy to, to carry, then it's definitely worth looking at it for the, for the price. Um, not as good build quality as something like the... Um, the um, um, what's the bag I use at the moment? It's the um, you know the one, the really expensive one. He says, looking down at it, my um, Billingham <laughs> two two five. I, t- I think we've seen it. I can't remember things. Let's have a drink of coffee to wake myself up. That's better. Or obviously the Think Tank photo uh, bag that I reviewed as well that I've still got, which is the can't remember the grey one <laughs> I'm terribly I should write better notes shouldn't I for the podcast but anyway the best decade in BTD BO3 if you're after a really cheap rucksack type camera bag might be worth looking at I'm going to try and get them to send me they do a messenger type bag as well which I might be interested in because the um, low pro one not the low pro the uh, think tank photo one I've got the retrospective 30 that's it amazing bag but slightly too big I'm still trying to find that perfect size bag. The Billingham 225 is almost the perfect size bag. But what's difficult is getting into the stuff, you know? I mean, it carries a camera with a lens and a telephoto lens and a flash, which is what I want. I want my flash to fit in there as well. And then all the accessories, the spare batteries. And I could even, like, fit my um, little action camera in there for doing doing first-person videos and stuff. But it's awkward when you want to get your stuff in because you have this big flap over the top that you open up and then it has a single zip that you undo that you reach in to get into the main compartment. And it's difficult to get the stuff out. The, the best bag, the best bag I ever had for functionality was always the Low Pro Photo Runner, um, which they don't make anymore, so I went to look for it. Um, but that can only carry my camera uh, with a lens on and another lens, telephoto lens, because that had a double zip system on the top. So when you open the zip zipped up, the whole top of the bag would, would fold back because there was a zip on each side. And that was amazing. That was You could just reach in, get your stuff, take it. And I, I could change lenses without even looking, without having to hold the bag open, where with the Billingham and with the Lopra and with the retrospective, to be honest, you've, you've really got to almost stop and put the bag down. And um, so, you know, I'm still on that, that quest for the best camera bag. I mean, my daily driver camera bag, if you like, is the Billingham 225 because it's really nicely made. Um, it doesn't really look like a camera bag. And hey, you know, it's a Billingham in it that I managed to get for £30. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's terrible. That's terrible to say something like that, isn't it? Anyway, apologies. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have said that. Um, and what else? Oh, <laughs> now I'm not dead sure who sent me this. I think it was somebody from um dhgate.com who i've done some reviews for in the past but they sent me a smartwatch but before you hold before you go oh wow an apple watch or you know a google wear watch no this is the u8 smartwatch which is the cheapest smartwatch that you can buy which is about about 30 pounds on amazon probably even cheaper from dhgate and uh, ebay and it's very very simple in the fact that it connects to your phone via bluetooth and I th- what it uses to connect, I think it uses the um, Bluetooth earpiece kind of um, specifications because it kind of becomes the, the headphone, the, the speaker and the microphone for the phone. And so that if your phone rings, your watch rings and you answer f- calls via the um, via the watch and you can make calls by, via the watch. And it has an extra app as well so that you can get notifications, which is the most important thing. 
that was the thing that I found really useful. So when you're wearing the watch and it's and it's paired up, when you get a text message, when you get a WhatsApp, when you get a, an email, whatever, that message, um, it, you come up with a little warning on the phone, which you can then tap on. And depending on what, what it is, you'll get some of the, the message or, or all of it, which I thought was amazing. It also has things like a pedometer, you know, a sleep monitor, all, all that sort of um, kind of stuff. And that, so although it doesn't look the best, it was it was a lot of fun. And it definitely made me well realize and say, if I had the money and it looked nice enough, I would definitely wear a smartwatch that was compatible with my phone. 100% because the ability to just to look at your phone, just sorry, just to look at your watch and not have to get your phone up out to see if you've had a message and what that message is just by tapping the screen is really good it stops getting you you getting your phone out like 10 times every hour and i thought that was very very good the problem with the u8 smartwatch is the fact that i couldn't figure out a way to turn off the connectivity to the phone in terms of phone calls so when i'm wearing my watch i don't want to answer if, if my phone rings I want my, my watch can tell me that it's ringing, but I want to answer it on my phone, um, and uh, I want to be able to make calls using my phone and not have to use the microphone from the watch. And from from what I could tell is that all the time you were connected via Bluetooth from your phone to your your watch, it was all or nothing. You know, you had the calls coming through to your to your phone, um, and that was it. And also. When you were connected to the phone, you couldn't use uh, a Bluetooth headset to listen to music or anything, because all the music would come through the phone. So I can't knock it because it's so it was so cheap, and obviously I got it for free. Um, and I wouldn't wear it ever. I wore it for the purposes of the review, and it was great for that. And I'll put it on. I don't, I don't know. I guess there's a situation if, where if I'm out and about and I don't want to... I think what I've got to do, I've got to do some more field trials with it, you know, and wear it out and about. Say where I'm, at, where I'm out on a photo walk, somewhere like the dockyard or somewhere else, where I don't want to be getting my phone out all the time, but I can just check this and uh, and, and do it. Battery life was amazing, I don't know. It lasted until sort of three or four days, so, so there we go. But what I definitely would say is that... Um, if I had a phone that was compatible, I don't know whether my HTC One Max is compatible with the latest... Um, uh, Android Wear watches. I would definitely have one. If there, but there was, it would have to be waterproof. You know, so you could shower within it. I would want a battery that lasted probably at least two days, and it would have to be pretty tough as well. I wouldn't want to smash the face on it. Um, and also, I'd have to have the cash, which I haven't got at the moment. But, but there we go. But the U8 smartwatch, interesting, um, um, kind of. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Don't buy one. Let's put the money towards something else. Anyway, what else has happened? Uh, oh yes, we had the assignment, didn't we, for Amateur Photographer of the Year, which was Creative Wide Angle, and a new one starts, or is starting in a couple of days' time, and it is in focus, shallow depth of field. So officially it starts on the 6th of June, and it closes on the 28th of June. As ever, I will open up a new a thread on the robinandphoto.com Flickr group. Yeah, remember, it's free to join, and you know you can stick new photos in there or old ones. What I will do is I will go through my entire back catalogue of photos looking for something that's interesting to submit to the competition. I have to say that in all of the first... Well, actually, no, they've only published the results for Nightlife and Going Abstract. I haven't, no, I haven't got anywhere. Um... And to be honest, when you see the quality of the stuff that is being 
given um, points over on Amateur Photographer of the Year, it is amazing. You know, you do kind of look at some of the photos and go, so that's what going abstract really means. <laughs> that's a really good photo. Maybe my work just uh, wasn't, you know, well, didn't really fit it that well. But I've got some ideas for some really I think interesting shallow depth of field photos. So if you fancy having a go, remember it's free to entry to entry to enter amateur photographer of the year. There's some amazing Sigma lenses and things um, as prizes over there, and anybody in the world can enter as long as you're not a professional photographer. So there we go. I hope this has kind of made up for the fact that I haven't recorded a podcast in the last month. I only really like recording the podcast when I've got something to talk about in terms of photography. And because I've been so busy at work and doing videos and things, I haven't had that much time um, to record uh, podcasts. But what really helps me, actually, is if you've got any questions, if you've got any things you think, hmm, I'd really like to know about this, or what do you think about this, then I can base podcasts and videos around that sort of thing. Um, Even if I don't know much about it, I can do some research and crack on. So if you've got any ideas for episodes for uh, of the podcast or videos please drop me a line scalespeeder at gmail.com i really appreciate it i really i'm always amazed when you go to robinandphoto.com people are putting um photos into the group of amazing work i know Flickr. well i'm not going to say Flickr isn't what it used to be well i don't know you've got to find the right groups on Flickr um to get in there where there's lots of stuff going on undoubtedly on Flickr, lots of people have moved away to, to Flickr to 500px or facebook and there isn't the same buzz there used to be but you find the right groups like the film photography group um and there's still lots of people there posting amazing photos lots of amazing photos go into rubnerphoto.com there's not much discussion going on but you know i could understand that you know we've all got other stuff to do um and uh, yeah it's a great source of inspiration um, but yeah drop me a line scalespeed.gmail.com if you can find my stuff over on youtube um i'm on twitter um all that sort of, you you know what you want don't you anyway but again thanks for putting your photos in thanks for, for uh, looking at robinofoto.com but most of all obviously thanks to you for downloading and listening to the podcast and hopefully i'll see you again soon